Okay, everybody, welcome back to the second episode of Our Powers Combined podcast, where we highlight entrepreneurs, businesses, and entities from across the city of San Antonio that are part of the sustainability ecosystem. And if you recall from our first episode, we were talking with Kate Haseldo from Compost Queens, and they take food waste and they turn it into compost for local farmers. And today we are joined by another guest who does something sort of familiar, but it's unique in its own way. And we're joined by uh, to Yoni, correct? Yoni. 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 Yep. Yoni from Grain for Grains, and thank you for being with us today. And can you just start off by telling us a little bit about Grain for Grain? Yeah, so uh, Grain for Grains started as a uh, college class project uh, back in 2016 when I was a senior in petroleum engineering. So I was going into oil and gas and was trying to just figure out what I wanted to do. I had already had a job lined up, but Grain for Grain basically started out of this idea of let's just take grains from breweries and then turn it into something useful. So we originally were going to do cereal, then granola bars, and we found out there's another company already doing granola bars. So we took it a step further saying, why don't we turn it into flour? And that's kind of the birth of that. So Grain for Grain is essentially a company that takes grains from breweries and turns that into a useful product for both product makers and any kitchen that wants to try something both sustainable and healthy. Okay, so the interest was uh, much more, you said, the petroleum engineering, sort of working with chemistry, and then it just kind of shifted into the grains. Yeah, so I I was actually a full-time engineer for about two and a half years, and then what we did was essentially, uh, originally the idea was let's just make flour and sell it, but grain for grain kind of began molding while I was working with my uh, co-founder, Matt, who's uh, also a petroleum engineer as well and a data scientist so we were just working with this idea and then what we later found was that grain for grain all we do is we're this innovative side of taking that wasted product and then turn it into a flower so grain for grain was birthed out of that and then it was really just a side project (laughs) my career focus was going to be in oil and gas so it was his and then it kind of morphed into kind of what you see today okay And why the name? So Grain for Grain um, stands for essentially our giving mission. So for every pound of flour we sell, we give a pound uh, or a portion away. So it's a four to one ratio. So for every four pounds we sell, we donate one pound. Um, And while that is also part of it, Grain for Grain kind of just has this, um, like, I don't know how you can describe more of like this sustainability or this giving back like ethicate to it so it is one of those things where you are in the name inherently giving back yes so that's, feels that's yeah yes cool and when you're donating them is that going to a food bank yeah so we do our donations to two spots so we've already fed 2200 families in san antonio oh, wow Hill country daily bread in san antonio congratulations that's beautiful it's been uh well it's more congrats to our customers who believe in us and then they want to do something good so it's uh it's really just a kudos to them yes yes thank you and where are these customers finding you like, so uh, originally when we started, we had just been doing online and local farmers markets. So Pearl Farmers Market was our primary place. And then now people are finding us through HEB and later it'll be on Amazon as well. Okay, Very so cool. you're in stores at HEB? Yes, so we're in almost 200 stores at HEB. So both of our flour and our pancake mix are stocked there. Oh, wow, fantastic. So someone could just walk on down to local HEB and be a part of giving back to their community and feeding other families. Exactly, yeah, and hopefully making a healthy meal for themselves. 
Fantastic. And um, maybe I missed it earlier on, but how, how did you focus exactly on the brewery grains? How did that come up as the product to yeah, work with? Yeah, so um, really started through my interest in brewing. So when, okay. when I was in college, I was brewing on the side just for fun. <laughs> it's a fun date idea if you're in Denver or here. You just go rent a brewing space and then you make your own beer. We'll bottle it, but after you bottle it, you'll actually notice that they still have those grains or have given it to a farmer or thrown it away. So I was asking the question because if you just understand kind of the basic chemical uh, process from brew, from beer making, uh, they're removing the carbohydrates from the grain itself, which is barley. So those carbohydrates are getting removed and fermented into ethanol, which is your alcohol. So that's what the yeast is eating, right? So all that's left is protein and fiber and a majority of the vitamins uh, are also there and a lot of the gluten is broken down. So what you're left with is basically like an almond flour composition except 100% recycled and uh, in my opinion and in others as well it tastes better because it resembles flour more. So what we did was uh, you know through that brewing I just kind of asked my questions over the last three years um, both while I was a senior in college and then when I was working as a petroleum engineer was we're asking brewers like what are you guys doing with it is there anybody else in the space and we noticed two companies so there's one called Regrained out in San Francisco and then there's another one called Rise uh, Flower in New York so both of them are kind of and then there's a couple other ones in Canada but just in the US those are the two main people that you'll you'll notice and what we noticed was they were focused on the CPG side so their development and their focus was always on the end product and what Matt and I did was we used our engineering you know I would, I would say skill set skill set and, sure. and, and use that to to basically from the foundation build a platform where you can actually dry and mill this at a commercial scale so both both companies do dry and do mill into flour but our costs for doing that are substantially lower and then our hmm. production level is could be if scaled up substantially higher. So that was the focus and then from there, Grain for Grain was born to be the brand that stands for kind of that mission statement. What's really neat about the tech that we designed, while it is right now we're focused on spent grain, technically speaking, anything that could be dried and turned into flour can be done through our process very efficiently. Okay. So, it's, so right now I'd say we're focused on spent grain but in the future, there are opportunities, including mesquite beans, banana peels, any anything apple, like anything that has moisture content that can be dried and then milled into something useful that has like a longer shelf life and more stability. All right. And, and now you touched upon a little bit of the nutritional benefits and differences mm -hmm. compared to traditional flour. Can you talk about that a little more? Yeah, so spent grain compared to regular flour, the composition of its carbohydrates are generally about 70% plus carbs. Our flour is 5% or less is, is carbohydrates from, from a caloric standpoint. Um, this is why the keto. Which is why the keto focus, and you'll see a lot of our labeling on our CPG products are very keto friendly or keto oriented, low carb, high protein. Um, it is very low in fat as well, but uh, from a keto standpoint, if you can have flour that is low carb and high protein and high fiber, you'll you'll go for that. Um, and the benefit as well is from an almond and coconut flour standpoint, uh, from a cost standpoint, it's far cheaper than almond flour. From a coconut flour standpoint, it's a little bit healthier on the macro mm. side. So 
we have a comparison with some popular brands, including Bob's Red Mill and then a few other name brands for coconut and almond flour. We compare that on our packaging to show that both from a macronutrient standpoint and then obviously the sustainability side, it is a better product. Okay. Bakes and rises like normal flour. So a little bit differently. So similar to almond, um, it is uh, very gluten reduced. Sure. So it is a gluten reduced product. So you need to not only provide that gumming agent, so a lot of our ingredients use anthem gum, or we'll, we'll actually reintroduce gluten back into it, um, You know, depending on who the customer is and if they can tolerate gluten. Um, our flour is technically gluten reduced. It is fine for people that are gluten intolerant or gluten sensitive. <laughs> But that said, um, it does bake differently. So you need to add uh, probably another egg and then a little bit more water to hydrate it. So all of our recipes on our website and a lot of the recipes that HEB have, has developed through their cooking connections and their, and their actually cooks that have been using our flour for recipe development, they, a lot of them are using um, from a keto recipe standpoint, which is usually almond flour base. So we'll take an almond flour base, replace our flour, and then experiment from there. Hmm. Um, and then now we have a decent array of recipes from entrees like pasta and bread all the way to pumpkin spice muffins, So, okay. which are my favorite. And those are all just on the website? Yep. yep. Okay. yep. And, and what is the website anyway? It's at grainforgrain.com, and then you can kind of explore both our the story, um, some of our mission statements on there, as well as the recipes specifically. All right, fantastic. And who's finding, like, who's your, who's finding the flower the most? Like, who's... Man, uh, basically anybody that is wanting one of two things. So somebody that is wanting spent grain flour, so the education and the knowledge of this ingredient has reached them. And usually when that happens, people are, you know, they're, they're a lot more keen to the product and would love to, to use it. And then people that are on a keto-focused diet. So anybody that's on a low-carb diet that misses the muffins, that misses the pancakes and the waffles and the bread and the pasta, sure, our product is the one for them. So that that's usually who finds it. Okay. Oddly enough, families as well, kids really enjoy it. So there's <laughs> a very popular brand. People know Kodiak Cakes. Mm -hmm. They'll actually prefer ours to their to theirs just because of the smooth texture and a little bit lighter feeling on our on our uh, flour and then in the product itself. And then how, I guess, how are you educating the public? How is How are more people finding out about it? And, you know, like you said, the ones that are keen to it being sustainable, I suppose, they're kind of looking for this. Uh, everyone else or spreading yeah. it further. How are we spreading it further right now? Yeah, so right now it is the number one question and our biggest challenge this year is actually how do we spread the news about the ingredients? So... Um, one of the focuses last year was basically, can we get a production facility up and running? And we did. Obviously, there's always challenges with that as being a startup. It's pretty bootstrapped and kind of um, just trying to maintain a lot as you can. But this year, now that we've gotten into HEB and are able to kind of have a base level for our growth, um, we're really just focused on, from a marketing standpoint, how do we teach people and how do we spread the news? So it's different outlets like what we're doing now. This is a great opportunity to do that. Um, we're also looking at different incubation programs or accelerator programs, uh, different funding or grant opportunities that allow me to go in front of people and then explain the vision and the story for them. 
Um, I think it's a very compelling story of saying, hey, this was a wasted product. In the U.S., 6 million tons of this is produced annually. In Texas alone, 350 million pounds of this is produced annually. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is going to farmers, but a lot of it is not. And uh, about 60% of it at the end of the day, even from the from the ones that get donated to the farmers, still ends up in landfill or ends up just fermenting and releasing um, and, and just continuing to process and decompose outside, which does release methane. Keeping it out of landfills. Yeah, our goal is if you can dry it and stabilize it as a dry ingredient, the shelf life increases to 10 plus years because there's no carbohydrates for the bacteria to eat. So as long as you keep it in a cool environment or you know, basically what's in your, sh in your shelf at home, this ingredient could seriously change from, from food scarcity concern or from the food scarcity position of something that's cheap, cost efficient, and is available for the mass market. So it is an alternative flower that we think could become a primary flower like wheat and white flour. Okay, and you mentioned that right now you're just operating out of one production facility? Yeah, so, so we have what we designed, so part of our process is drying and milling it. So what we did was through our patent pending technology, we basically designed an a very simple 800 square foot facility that has all the requirements from a food safety standpoint that you can bring in wet grain, dry, mill, and then turn into flour. So this idea started in Bernie. So we have a facility up in Bernie, Texas that we're doing this right now. The facility or the plant, as you would call it, could be essentially copy pasted all across the I was going to say, is this something you could license? So once we get the patent, yes, that yes. is something we're going to be exploring. Um, either that or we'll be exploring kind of larger brand partnerships. So think of like a Nestle or even from the brewer side of Heineken. Somebody that would like to their... Um, Pioneer? Heineken or even Pioneer. Yeah, right. Pioneer. Yeah. So okay. so anybody that would love to get their... Uh, actually, speaking of Pioneer, we've been trying to... <laughs> we've been trying to get in the door with Pioneer for some time. So, okay. but, sorry. Uh, from, from that standpoint, um, really anybody that wants to see from either the tech licensing side or from the production side, it under their house it is very doable. Okay. It's very, very easy to, to build this kind of facility at very, very low cost comparatively. So... Okay. And are you currently looking to get more grains from breweries that have already Yeah, been? so right now we're committed to Freetail. So Freetail gives us all their grain. We have Alamo Brewery as well as a partner. Alamo provides grain kind of on a supplemental basis. So right now we have a certain capacity that we can handle in our facility. We have the smallest drying unit that's available as well as the smallest facility that we think we can fit this up in. Mm -hmm. um, so right now we're, we have a ceiling of what we can accept and a large part of that is being met by Freetail. Eventually we'd love to move and get in the door with a brewery like you know Real Ale or a Shiner and then or the step up from that would be a large major like Anheuser-Busch or Miller Coors or the like. And these the same goals is it something that you could do here locally with Freetail or something? You could kind of partner. Yes, yeah, so I mean, I mean, with with our partnership with Freetail, we're we're kind of seeing what is our capacity as far as what we can sell, and it, you know, it's quite a bit of flour. So Freetail does produce a decent amount of beer, and so from their from their size as a microbrewer, um, we can really feed quite a bit of San Antonio, Austin, Houston, all through just our. HEB and a few wholesale contracts. So it's a, it is a significant amount that's coming out from just this one brewery. 
But if you're talking about kind of a nationwide or even a global food scarcity uh, concern or kind of breaking the chain on what almond and coconut flour are, are, are putting us under from an alternative flour standpoint that is fairly unsustainable, um, this will need to go become part of a larger brewery or of a larger supply chain of spent grain. And what are some of your challenges just day to day or locally? And Man, uh, name something, uh, probably. <laughs> so we have equipment issues every day. We've got uh, you know marketing stuff that we have to do. Making so we did we did raise investment, so keeping our investors happy and and providing some results for them is always is a challenge as well. And, you know, a challenge that I'm learning to meet. We have obviously HEB as a customer, so we're trying to maintain that relationship. They're a phenomenal partner to work with, so maintaining that. Excellent. Um, so there's there's a variety of partnerships that we have to mend and work with, like retail, all the way from our, you know, where we get our supply to our landlord, to our neighbors, to our customers. So there's a full slew of relationships you have to manage. That alone is a full-time job <laughs> on top of just the day-to-day operations. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a challenge, but it is uh, it is really interesting to see kind of where we've come from having almost basically no equipment here at the end of 2018 to being an HEB a year later. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you're taking a considerable amount of this byproduct each week. Yeah. Yeah. So from Freetail right now, if I do the math, we are taking close to 6,000 wet pounds to 8,000 wet pounds a week. Cool. So it is quite a bit that we're taking out of landfills. So, you know, for comparison, that is about how much you know, some of our competitors have done in a year, we'll do in like the two or three weeks. So we're processing quite a bit right now. So we've got actually four four people that are rotating on shifts um, that are there kind of when you dry it, when you start drying, you have 24 hours. The One of the large challenges with spent grain actually, and the reason why it's taken so long for companies like us, even like Regrain to pop up, is there's a hurdle that you have less than 24 hours to dry the grain before it decomposes or starts to decompose and continues to ferment mm-hmm. and is no longer food safe. So that is why they've always opted to cattle or just putting it in a landfill. Just Or if you're Alaska Brewery, they have a massive oven that burns the spent <laughs> grain uh, for energy. So from our standpoint, we said, well, the, the best op- option is human consumption. So how do you accomplish that? You have to dry this and then turn it into a stable product shelf-stable product, whether it's whole grain or flour or somewhere in between, uh, within 24 hours. If you do not do that within 24 hours, it is wasted. So that's also the cap is, is introduced by that, by that uh, time clock. And right now you're taking just a small amount then. You said they well, have we take everything from Freetail, um, and that's basically almost near reaching our cap. Um, probably we could take um, about double so we could probably double just from where we're at right now. We can double our production. Then moving forward, obviously, if we, you know, say, say maybe say we get into Kroger or say we get into Whole Foods. Sure. Um, we, we already have steps in place to bring on other breweries and, and fill up our pipeline to meet that. And then essentially, or build a new facility in our copy-paste method. So. Okay, but... Uh, ultimately, your processing has to be kind of close to some of these breweries because you so, so it's yes. a twenty-four hour window. Like once the the breweries get done brewing it, they've got twenty-four hours to get that spent grain to yes. you. Yes, yes. So you got as soon as they as soon as it leaves that mash tun, 
the clock starts, and so generally the transportation is a, is a cost and is something you always have to be concerned about. So we try and, we try and leave it within, um, you know, something that's within ideally, you know, 50 miles away. Um, once you go to a larger dryer or once you go to a larger unit like we're doing, um, larger system, uh, you can essentially kind of increase that distance because you're now able to, to produce and, and, and process it more. So say, for example, we go to the, you know, our largest designable unit that we can do. So say we, we build out our facility like that. We can essentially take everything from real ale, free tail, Alamo, and then you can kind of put this near Austin, right? And then you can be able to collect from those places because the distance and the clock, and then now you're able to market to Austin breweries now. So that's, that's the beauty behind our tech is that as it scales up, the cap goes up and the distance from the brewery can increase it, you know, depending on the density of breweries in the area. Okay, and so what's sort of the, the next big step for you? Are you looking to raise funds that you can expand? Yeah, or? So, so we're doing two things. So our, our, we've got two huge goals for this year. One is um, increase our bulk and our wholesale business. So I, I look at so many of these product makers that are advertising sustainability, but they're stopping short at, you know, we're just doing 1% for the planet, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong, if enough companies do 1% for the planet, that organization is going to be able to do a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, from its inherent standpoint, if you can, from the root on in your product, make it a sustainably made product, I think that will add both a lot of benefits to your company from a morale, from a business standpoint, from a marketing and messaging standpoint. Um, so we're looking at we're looking at companies that would use our flour to make something, whether it's from a private label, we sell it as their own, or use that to make crackers, granola bars, the like, or bread it. And so, then our second thing is we are actively looking for um, enhanced funding. So whether that's like increasing our seed round, which we did two years ago, or or starting the process of maybe building up to a Series A. But I, you know, right now we're still fairly early stage and our you know our business is not quite where that would need to be so that's why we're looking at accelerator programs um, or different types of incubation programs that would help bring us to the level that we need to go so that we can actively seek out that that next boost in funding okay. will you will you then go through launch sa here the um possibly what yeah, do I mean, you the uh, breakfast and launch yeah so uh a lot of kind of what we accomplished already is uh is some of the stuff that's that is being offered here so getting a business you know business plan or business idea together getting it through proof of concept and then actually launching it we've gone through that process so the accelerator and incubations that we're looking for are more kind of developing a business that is existing um, a lot of these accelerators are looking for businesses that are sub $1 million a year in revenue, or just about, or maybe a little over, kind of in that range, um, that's not usually a like a brand new startup. So we're still in that brand new startup phase, but uh, the, the kind of the technological, you know, uh, breakthroughs that we've had and the hurdles that we've crossed on the tech side, we can scale up a bit faster than other businesses. So it's just a matter of, Getting you know, getting the the right fuel to both scale up on the tech side and then build up a sales channel and a marketing channel. Okay, yeah, and I, 
I assume price might be an issue for some individuals. Mm -hmm. That would be a mm -hmm. consumer of the product. Mm -hmm. So is is price an issue for people or so uh, right now we do offer the product as a premium product and um, I think that's also just in due part to we're you know we're, we're still startup so uh, the price is going to be comparable to coconut flour um, so you're talking from a per pound basis anywhere between five to six dollars and fifty cents a pound um, the cost to produce on our end is very 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 low so when and as we scale that cost it shoots down even more so right now you're talking in the range of under a dollar eventually it'll get to under 10 cents so when that day comes the, the price will be very comparable to uh, maybe a rice flour which is very very readily available I don't think we'll ever get to white flour which is extremely <laughs> extremely cheap but uh, you know there's a sustainable and health story behind it that I think can command um, you know, a little bit of a higher price point. Yeah. You might be able to, uh, you know, get a deal with like a Pioneer or a White Flower distributor that's already moving it, you yeah, know, absolutely. and help with the infrastructure a bit. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, our dream is maybe one day Bob's Red Mill or a Pioneer or somebody will, you know, they'll call us up and say, we want to make spent grain flour, you know, how do you guys do it? And then partner with us, whether that's through um, a JV or, you know, some, something mm -hmm. of that nature mm -hmm. or purchase us and then use our technology to provide this ingredient because to me it's less about a, a money thing. I, I really, <laughs> I'm really unmotivated by money. Um, while it's nice, it, it, the, the whole reason why I left a career in oil and gas or, you know, in, in an M&A field as I, as I thought I was going to go into um, or, you know, project development. The reason I'm doing this is because I feel like it needs to get done, and I was actually kind of irritated that it had not been done already. So it's one of those things where once that gets accomplished, hopefully by me or by somebody else, I'll be able to sleep a lot easier, <laughs> knowing that, hey, I, I, you know, I was able to at least push something through that had meaning, and then I can kind of move on with my life one day. I know exactly how you feel. That's the same way I feel about mattresses. Yeah, I feel you 100% on that. Yeah. You're just upset that something isn't happening and you just want to stand up and be the person who yeah, at least I mean, helped. Yeah, it'd be really cool if I get to do it. If not, I mean, that's fine too. I think this just needs to be done. And what's really cool is that we we are doing it. You're you know? definitely so, doing so it. So we are doing it. And then the other cool thing is we're doing it probably better than everybody else. So our technology really gives us a leg up there. So. That said, I mean, yeah, who knows? Who knows what will happen? I have no idea what the future will bring. And, you know, 2020 is another year, 2021. 20, so there are, there are lots of possibilities and paths we can take. So hopefully we do the right stuff and get it done. Awesome. Do you have any upcoming events where you're going to be out in the public? Yeah. Like going to so, a birthday or something like that? <laughs> so uh, HEV, uh, part of being, you know, uh, them being one of our customers, uh, also us being a vendor for them. Uh, we're going to be doing demos, so starting at the end of February through the beginning of March, so it's, I think first or second week, we'll be doing, we'll be a part of their TextFest demos all around San Antonio, so just keep an eye out on our email list, and then on our Instagram and Facebook, we'll, you know, say which stores we're going to be at if they want to meet Matt or myself, who's uh, the other co-founder, as I mentioned, so, you know, if they want to, if they want to spend time and talk to us and kind of meet us in person, that'll be the best time to do it. We are... Probably not going to go back to the farmer's market. We are just so busy, but the farmer's market's incredible. You know, so I'm, I'm around Pearl quite a bit, just like talking to other vendors that were there every now and then. So, um, 
As far as other events, uh, I am fairly involved with a uh, business called Impact Guild. It's a co-working space. Yes, absolutely. So I'll be we'll be doing a small Valentine's Day breakfast um, on on Friday the fourteenth. So uh, that's another opportunity to meet myself, or pro- probably not Matt, but I'll be there. Okay, and the Impact Guild—they're off of Summit and San Pedro, right? Do you know the exact address? I, Will it be at there? Yeah, so I work out of there occasionally, but uh, I do not know the address off the top of my head. Okay. But Impact Guild, so I'm I'm sure in Google search. Yeah, we can include a link in the show notes. Yeah, you know. So so those two events we'll be doing, and then um, down the road we always announce kind of where we'll be or what we'll be doing um, as things pop up. Well, cool, cool. Well. Find Yoni at Grain for Grain on Instagram and just thank you for being here and thank, thank you, you for guys. being with us and appreciate your role here in the whole circular economy and all the kind of stuff you're doing and appreciate it. It's nice to see all the growth and just thank you. Yeah, it's uh, pray for more growth. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very exciting. So well, we'll right. see, we'll see, we'll see if the rest of the market thinks the same. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you.